30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. Fortress of Nerditude, it's the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, with your hosts, Josh Davis and Tyler McDaniel. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Advertising Expressions, Tennessee Legend Distillery, Gatlinburg Brewing Company, and Encore Theatrical Company. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is a bad cast company production a member of the inner circle and a survivor of the apocalypse. Find 30 and Nerdy Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Learn more about 30 and Nerdy Podcast at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Got something to say? Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Now, it's time. To nerd up or shut up, the nerds are here. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome to another week of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. And going to go ahead and apologize for the lie that the opening said, because not both of us are live. In the fortress of nerditude the juice is loose in the fortress but the old duker is uh sick in bed sick in bed where i've been all day and i said told maddie today when i was texting her i said i know i've been saying like i wouldn't mind a day off where i don't have to be anywhere or do anything like even though i had <clears throat> saturday and sunday off it was tennessee game film fest i was like i wouldn't mind having a day off where i just get to just stay in not go anywhere and then <clears throat> last night i started feeling a tickle in the throat and some congestion and this morning i woke up achy and miserable and i was like not exactly what i had in mind and I said I'd like a day off with nothing to do. Be careful uh, what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. But I did mask up and go get tested just in case. Um, 
let this be a lesson to all of you. Uh, as much as I am very pro-vaccination and pro-masks, uh, you can still contract it if I test positive. It could be the flu. It could be upper respiratory. It might not be COVID. But if it is COVID, use this as an example, ladies and gentlemen, that even if you're vaxxed, even if you're wearing masks, you should still play it safe. The pandemic is not over. Rant over. Um, but... Uh, it was still packed, man. I went and got tested and I didn't feel like paying $120 for a rapid test. So I went to the health department and did the, the free one and uh, still packed line to the, I mean, people in umbrellas and ponchos waiting in the rain lined up to get tested. And I was like, and this is, you know, well over a year later. And it's crazy. It really is, man. And it sucks being sick. I was just there, so I, I'm feeling for you. Yeah, you know, there's other viral things going around besides yeah. COVID. So it could yeah. be that, too. You know, because I was absolutely, <laughs> I was 99.9% sure I've got it. This is finally it. And uh, I did two tests and, and I was okay. So <clears throat> could well, be. Sadly, uh, I just had my first rehearsal for a show I'm doing with TJ, who you've worked with before, and I vaguely worked with. We did a radio show together during the pandemic, but this is my first time actually getting to stage. And we're doing a series of one acts about Sherlock Holmes. And each one act, each when you jump into each little one act thing, little four part, it's a four part story. When you jump into the next story, Sherlock and Watson's changed. So I start out as Sherlock with a Watson in part one, and it takes place in 1893 or something like that. So classic Sherlock. Then we jump to uh, in the second story, we switch Sherlock and Watson. And I think in one of the stories, there's a female Sherlock, which is really cool. She'll be good. And we jump to pre-World War II era. Well, then in part three, we jump to the 1960s. And it's still Sherlock and Watson, as if, because Sherlock and Watson, we've learned transcends era. You know, because there's the classic, the vintage Sherlock that everyone reads about, telling Scarlet, Hounds of Baskerville, stuff like that. But then there's all these reboots that take place in different eras of history. Most recently, Benedict Cumberbatch's, which is a little more modern. Um, so the final story actually takes place in the nineties and I'm playing Watson in it. So I get to play Sherlock in the first one, Watson in the last one. So it'll be cool. It'll be a lot of fun. I, I hope we get to do this thing live. The, the, the school I've learned is <clears throat> following a little bit more strict, uh, guidelines compared to the County. The school is still treating everything with masks. You have to wear masks. Um, you may get to do a show. You may not. It just depends. So they're still very weary. I was like, dude, Encore's done two shows now. And I guess Theater Guild did a show. And I was like, dang. So Walter State's actually still playing it very safe, very strict. And uh, it's good, but it's also nerve-wracking because... I want to be on stage <laughs> again, <laughs> uh, but it'll be a lot of fun. 
enough of that. How has how has school been? <clears throat> School's going great, man. Thanks. Uh, it's it's I'm I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, really loving my new gig. Well, my second year in my new gig, but I'm loving it. Um, now that you know things are a little more under control than they were before. Still, like you said, not you know totally okay, but you know um, I'm finally going to get to do a show, so I'm working on that. But I'm just very very busy um, all the time. I feel like every single waking moment is filled with some obligation, you know, right now and trying to get ready to go to this uh, music festival this weekend. Um, so I'm just trying to get everything ready and, and prepared for you know school while I'm gone and all that stuff. So just super stressed out, but um, I'm glad to be on here doing our thing together and spend a little time with you. Um, I can forget about all that stuff for a little while. So I'm glad we're here. Yeah, I know, man. Um, so we did get to do something fun uh, a few days ago. We went to uh, Friday Night Smackdown. We were back live for the first time in close to two years for us. I can't, I really can't recall the last time that I was uh, at a live WWE show. Um, Me neither, man. The last one that comes to mind was uh, Raw in Atlanta like three or so years ago. Uh, it was supposed to be Ric Flair's birthday or something. I went with Logan and I remember y'all went to that. We didn't even get to see Ric Flair. Uh, out in the arena, he got attacked by Batista backstage. So we saw him on the camera, and all we wanted was to see Ric Flair. So I left disappointed. Yeah. So how do you feel Speaking about this? <laughs> uh, but yet, yeah, it was cool to be back in that environment. Um, you know, even though the product hasn't been super thrilling uh, for the most part here lately, you know, there's just something about being at a live show you know whether it's on tv or not you know the music and the lights and the superstars and all that stuff that the energy from the crowd um it's great so much fun so i'd miss that yeah and um, we, be back. we went with christopher my older brother and we took madison to her first live event uh the only experience she had had up until now was she watched that terrible AEW pay-per-view uh, one night in Atlanta with us where the pyro failed at the ball. and she watched a little bit <clears throat> she watches a little bit from time to time with her grandfather when he's watching it so other than that that was her experience she yep. loved it dude she loved the she was like it's like live theater man like the lights the sound exactly. the reactions the see hearing the smacks hearing them fall, fall into yeah. chairs and, and steps and stuff I was like oh yeah it, Nothing will show you how, you know, quote unquote, real the athletes are going through like a live event. As a teacher, uh, I love to inform people. I love to, to, to explain things to people, um, which can be really obnoxious. But I try to, you know, wait until people ask me first. So I love sitting with Madison because she asked me a lot of questions like, Hey, how does this work? Or, you know, what's going to happen now? And, you know, like when Finn Balor came out, I was trying to tell her, Hey, you know, on the music, when it, da, 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 you do the little arm thing. And she had no idea what I was talking about. And I was like, you'll see, you'll see. And then she got it. She figured it out. And, it yeah. was a lot of fun. We had a great point. She reached over. She asked me, she said, who do I cheer for? I said, whoever you want to, babe, good yep. guy, bad guy, whoever you want to. We cheered cool. for a lot of uh, bad guys and, 
several good guys. We yeah. cheered for people who were against each other. It's like, yeah. we don't care. We like them both. I did tell her, I said, one thing you'll notice is that you'll see a lot of adults cheering for bad guys. And you'll see a lot of kids cheering for good guys. So, uh, but we also, we also seem to always sit around. Oh, and- good like- Lord. Every single time I'm with the, you know, I, I don't want to speak of this, this fine young, young woman's character. I, I don't, I don't know her, uh, but she was awfully loud. And sometimes I wondered if she understood that uh, what we were seeing wasn't, you know, actually based in reality. It was show, show business. Yeah. Well, she, her voice alone sounded like she smacked two, smoked two packs a day. It is. So okay, baby. Okay, so where's yeah, baby? Come on, Finn. (laughs) No, he ain't. He ain't scared of you. Oh no, hon. Yeah. Just antagonizes my older brother Christopher. Oh my gosh. He's to hear someone starting to act redneck and loud to troll them he starts acting redneck and loud and i'm sitting beside him just like Ugh. oh i was laughing <laughs> I, I couldn't handle it it was hilarious roman reigns we paid to see you wrestle <laughs> we paid to see you ra- it's bristol baby three to the sky not one. Oh man <laughs> hilarious. he's hilarious to go to live events with he really is we got to see a hometown girl Bianca. We wore the Bianca Bella shirts. That was that was great. Uh, we got to hear her butcher Rocky Top. Love you, Bianca. But woo. and we got to hear Becky Lynch uh, intentionally uh, butcher Rocky Top. Uh, it, it always happens. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think just once can we get a good Rocky Top. Is it ever going to happen? I don't know. Can any? Do we know of any of the superstars who can sing? I'll tell you who who used to be able to was Murdoch. Caden Murdoch could sing. Well, we need him to come do Rocky Top because John Cena has butchered it. Bianca Belair butchered it. Bless her heart. Becky, we got to do something about this. I would have rather had Big E do it. I know she's the hometown girl, but. And you know what? Big, Big E can sing. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Dang. That would have been great. So, okay. So overall, any complaints? Oh, I. Oh. <laughs> How much time do you have? No, um, I think that even if I were sitting at home watching it on TV, I would have felt like, you know, this is an okay show. I'm excited to see Bianca, you know, but I'm biased in that regard. But the fact that there was like what 20 minutes of wrestling on the entire show which yeah. isn't as bad as Raw. You said that there was like 20-something minutes on a three-hour show a while back. This is a two-hour show, so it didn't feel like as much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was like, haven't we only seen like four matches? And that was really about it, you know? Um, the commercial breaks were killing me. I'd forgotten how bad it was, but I feel like now it's worse. Like any – I feel like even at the pay-per-view sometimes, there would be these video packages. Yeah. And not like, hey, here's the story that is culminating in this match. It was like, oh, like cricket wireless. Hey, yeah, Snickers and the new video game. And here's 10 minutes of uh, uh, highlights from WrestleMania from last year and you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, 
but it was just nonstop. I feel like we spent more time watching commercials on the big screens than we did like any, anything, you know, um, that was, that really got old after a while. That really wore me out. Yeah. Um, so, so those are my complaints. Well, yeah. we had a great, there was a great dark match after, you know, the cameras were off the air. We saw Paul Heyman ham it up a little bit. We don't get to see that too much. Oh, uh, not in this way. Like I think the crowd was chanting like, we want Heyman or something like that. And he took his blazer off and he was like acting like he was going to get up in the ring, stood up on the apron, reached in for the tag. And then he jumped down. And then all he did that, he got on the mic and he did the, doo, 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 the John Cena thing. Yeah. It was great. Oh, Paul yeah. Heyman, Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman, easy for me to say. He's yeah. one of those guys that can just hold the audience in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. You know? He really can. So, he really can. Uh, anytime Paul's out, I'm I'm hooked because he's such a good uh, mic pro. And even when he's not talking, like his faces he makes, the actions he does, he's in it. He's in it to yeah. work. He has energy. It feels natural when he speaks. It's not scripted, you know, awkward, forced dialogue. You know, he makes it feel real. He's like you're a theater teacher. We've both been on stage for years now. How you teach your kids, you know, even if you're not the person talking, be present in the scene. You know, walk with a purpose. Your, Your character is still present in the scene, even if you're not speaking. Heyman embodies that even when he's not talking, he's present in the scene, whether it's on camera, whether it's in the squared circle, whether it's on the sideline, whether it's on a commentaries table, he's always present in the scene. And that's what makes Heyman like one of the best managers in the history of the game. I agree. Uh, right behind Jim Cornette, of course. Uh, I don't know about Followed that. by uh, and ahead of Jim Cornette would be uh, Bobby Heenan. Bobby, yeah, Bobby the Brain. So, uh, what's uh, any any other highlights from SmackDown that you'd like to share with everyone? Um, well, I mean, <clears throat> when we were entering, uh, we actually had to ask ourselves: Is there really a show going on? No, yeah. there's nobody surrounding Thompson Bowling. And what we learned was: Oh, everybody was already inside. <laughs> we were late. Um, we were late, and late to WWE is like. 10 minutes early so uh we missed the opening dark match which you know we were fine with um i bought maddie her first shirt and it's a uh two they had shirts there which i guess they're doing now that are um to the city they're in like they had two shirts one said knoxville 316 i bought it and then hers was knoxville wwe live tour it was orange and white, and it said like I like I was there on the back, or where were you, or something like that. And so she's got her first shirt, and I definitely think that she'll be ready to go to a pay per view next with us, which we're talking about the one on New Year's Day in Atlanta. That should be pretty. Yeah, good. it's called uh, Day One, I believe. Yeah, January first in Atlanta. So uh, we're gonna look into that. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to check it out. The first yeah. ever. It's a premiere pay per view. Yeah, never been done before. So it's never been done before. And on the history first history making go down in history, baby. History. So All right. Before we move on, I do want to take 
uh, second to uh, wish our, you know, thoughts and, and prayers or, or those things to the family of Gabby. Uh, you know, the story's all over the news right now. We're not going to go into too much detail. Um, you should definitely uh, tune in to uh, Reverie True Crime. Paige has been following that a lot. Uh, and it's all over the news. So, uh, you know, just we hope that justice will come for Gabby and uh, every, everything goes goes better in the near future. And just I hope that it opens eyes because there are people who disappear every single day in every state across the union, in every country, every single day, whether you're, you know, a different color, different religion, different orientation, people disappear daily. And I hope that you know, we've had a lot of those lately, disappearances and missing people. And I wish we could bring more um, awareness to this. Uh, for instance, I learned during the following this, this tale is, uh, did you know that we do not have a database for National Park missing persons? No. No database. Because too many people go missing in national parks in a year. Wow. It's too much data to keep up with. I'm like, that's a problem. <laughs> that means there's a problem. Maybe we should do something about that, guy. Yeah, exactly. But uh, thoughts and prayers from the 30 and 30 podcast to her and her family. Uh, so you have been, you know, tooting this. You said this week you, weren't, you, you were going to bring in a nerd word. And you were going to really work on it. And you were going to change the game. Now, I haven't looked at it. Oh, haven't you? No, 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 I haven't. Well, uh, I don't know if it's game changing, but I got two. How about that? How's that for you? Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, I did not make these up, unfortunately. Yeah. That you know, I, I'm just not up to that level yet. You were the Gandalf of Nerdwood. Okay. I can't. I can't top it. You know, maybe for the for the big finale next week, maybe I'll be able to invent one. But we'll see. I'm gonna make it my goal. Okay. <laughs> While I'm listening to Metallica, yeah. I'll be thinking about that, okay? This weekend. Sure you will. All right. <laughs> so the nerd words that I've chosen are Adderkop and Tom Naughty. Yes. Uh, Tom Naughty, N-O-D-D-Y, not N-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Like uh, Tom Naughty. So these are uh, not used in the movie, I, I don't think. Uh, I didn't catch it if they were. But this comes from the book. See, when they're in Mirkwood and the spiders are, you know, about to eat the dwarves, Bilbo's got the ring on. He's walking around. He's cutting the dwarves loose. He's killing the spiders. He's just kicking butt, right? And he sings this little song to the spiders to, to mock them and taunt them and get them all riled up and distract them. And he uses the words Adderkop and Tom Naughty. He says, old Tom Naughty, all big body. Old Tom Naughty can't spy me because he's wearing a ring. He's invisible, you know. Yeah. Addercop, Addercop, down you drop. You'll never catch me up your tree. So Addercop means poison head, from what I understand. Poison uh, head. Poison. And it's derived from the old English word Addercoppa, which means spider. So Addercop, poison head, spider. Uh, Tom Naughty means a foolish or stupid person. You old Tom Naughty, you... <laughs> and I'm not sure where it comes from, but that's the definition. So Adderkop and Tom Naughty, as used by Bilbo Baggins. As written by J.R.R. Tolkien himself. Yes. How about uh, that? I like that, man. Two. 
That's right. So go out there when somebody, you know, doesn't hold the door open for you or, you know, they brush into you and they don't say, excuse me, or, you know, they, they show up at your door and eat all your food and don't even say thank you. Just like what happened to poor Bilbo. Well, you know what you ought to do, my friends? You ought to look that person in the eye and say, you, sir, or madam, are a Tom Naughty. Yes. Oh, it's true. Be bother and confusticate you, Tom Naughty. Hey, look at how, like, fancy you sound when no. you, right? Completely changes my class, my class system using those words. Absolutely. And you know what the best thing is, is that when you say all this stuff to someone, they may not even realize that you're insulting them. They'll be like, oh, yeah, thanks, man. You too. My name is Tom. <laughs> how do you know that? <laughs> anyway, uh, so speaking of words from The Hobbit, we're going to talk. Lots of words about the Hobbit. Lots of words. I'm, yeah, I assume. So I've been told, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the desolation of Smaug, the sequel in the Peter Jackson Hobbit trilogy. We're going to get to that right after a word from our sponsors. Tennessee Legend Distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee. Without Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey state of Tennessee with our salted caramel 60 proof whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T. S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info and parlay points our companion block section of the show thanks for listening to the odph now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast oh 
misty eye of the mountain below Keep careful watch of my brother's souls And should the sky be filled with fire and smoke Keep watching over during sun All right, welcome back, nerds and nerdettes, and we are talking about The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, or Smog, depending on how you pronounce it, but... Smaug. Uh, yes, most likely it's Smaug from the AU. Smaug. Uh, being in the middle, and that's how they say it <laughs> in the movies, so... The big old dragon down there, Smaug. Yeah, the big scaly dragon, Smaug. Oh, great one. The stories and songs do, do not... Compared to your riches and glory. The immeasurably wealthy. Very wealthy. Wow. And he just lays in it like he doesn't spend it. He doesn't. You know, he, he lays under it like it's a blanket. Yeah. What what kind of problems would you have in the world if that was your blanket? <laughs> like your blanket is just millions of gold. Like today, that that's probably Bezos money. The the only problem you might have is one little spot on your belly where your your armor, your scale or whatever you want to call it, doesn't cover it. And, you know, we've been meaning to do something about it. We've been meaning to get it fixed, but we'll get around to it, you know. Uh, you but other than that, no worries. Move a little bit and a coin hits you and you're like, oh, God, that hurt. That hurt. Well, that there, hurt. There, there's a hole in the Death Star where, you know, you could shoot something there and blow the whole thing up. You know what? No big deal. We'll get to it. We'll, get to it. we'll put up we'll put up a sign okay uh there's a hole in smog's chest <laughs> problem we'll get to it i'll see the doctor monday <laughs> this was on saturday who has the time who has the time i've got all this gold lay just, i have to take another nap and all my gold <laughs> so you got a little info here for us Let's talk a little bit about the desolation of Smaug. Yes, sir. That's right. So last week we talked all about the unexpected journey, the first movie of the trilogy of The Hobbit. And now we're talking about the sequel, Desolation of Smaug. It was released on uh, December 13th, year of our Lord, 2013. I was there opening night. I was there. I was there. I was there. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, it had a budget of 191 to 250 million dollars not really sure what that means i don't know if that means the whole trilogy or just this one movie because they kind of shot them all together so i don't know uh at the box office it did underperform uh the first film uh it got a whopping 959 million dollars so still very very impressive still did very well a major success one mm -hmm. might say uh and uh yeah it was it's a great movie. And out of the three, I, I've i seen the third one the least, but this yeah. one still I've only watched like, I mean, three or four times. So a lot of it was very fresh to me. Well, I can tell you a lot of it was very fresh to me because what I saw in the theaters was obviously the theatrical cut. And what I showed Maddie was also the theatrical cut. 
I, I talk a little bit in uh, in depth about it later on when we're when we're at Dolgador, but the amount of stuff cut from this version, man, is astronomical. It's they cut way more from this. All of the the Thrain stuff was all cut. Cut out, yeah. He didn't even exist. Yeah. Didn't even exist in the theatrical cut. Okay, so so before we get into the story here, let's let's review for just one second here, okay? Last week I said I want to keep a count of how many times Bilbo steps in and he saves everybody's behinds, okay? What was the count? Uh there was twice in the first one. It was only twice? I think it's twice in the first one. <coughs> and uh I want to say it's three or four in this one. Okay, so in the first one, he it's in the movie, not the book, but it counts, I guess. He stops the ward and Azog from getting to Thorin, right? Thorin, yeah. He um, saved them from the trolls, or he stalled. He, did. he trolls, stalled, right? He was smart enough to stall. That's two. Is that it? Yeah, that's it in the first one. All right, so two. We're on with two. Yes. So we'll try and see just how often it happens in, in this part of the story. Because I remember there being several. There's several in this story. And it just keeps going to against the stuff that the dwarves said about him in the first movie. Like, dude, he's been doing it's kind of like a um in Prince's Bride, whenever uh Inigo says, Physic, you did something good. It's like, dude, he's been doing good shit the whole movie. You can't just say that at the end. He's been saving your butt time after time. Uh, <laughs> so we open with Bree. Very cool prequel-like opening. Uh, this is, we flash back to the village of Bree. Fans of Lord of the Rings will recognize Peter Jackson's cameo, just like he did in the first movie. Carrot Man. Carrot Man. This yeah. is probably like the grandfather of Carrot Man. The one that yeah. we knew in Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. They look, you can tell their family. I mean, the, the resemblance, it's uncanny. Well, the grandfather was a little less hefty. He had, he, you know, he was a healthier gentleman. But when we met his grandson in fellowship, he had just started the carrot diet. So it, we never got to see what came of it. I hope he's doing so well. They, uh, they did rebuild Bree and... I don't know if in the originals it worked this way, but I watched a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff uh, and they talked about how the little street up to the, to the end. And that's the same sign from the originals, same exact one, uh, the end of the prancing pony. Uh, But you could walk from the street literally into the prancing pony, like continuously. It wasn't two separate sets, which you get a lot of times. That way you get that really great shot in the beginning of it's the street. You pass Peter Jackson, goes right into the bar. One continuous shot. Nice. Mm -hmm. And the bar, I mean, the the end looks exactly the same as before. And even on the, the behind the scenes stuff, Peter Jackson talks about you know, oh, I walked in and expected to see Vigo sitting in the corner with his hood on and the pipe. And and uh, here's where Frodo fell and the ring fell on his finger and all that stuff. Uh, uh, another behind the scenes thing. Peter Jackson's daughter has a cameo in this scene uh, in, in uh, Brie. She is the, the the maid who brings Thorin and Gandalf their food. She says, here you are. 
uh, Peter Jackson's daughter. She was one of the little Hobbit children in Fellowship of the Ring that Bilbo, exactly, that Bilbo was telling the story of the trolls to. <gasps> she's all surprised. There she is. <clears throat> I, I thought about like watching them back through this time. I was like, well, I wish they had Butterbur in there, but he wouldn't have been born probably. He'd have been a child 60 years ago because in Lord of the Rings, he's a regular everyday human and he was probably late 40s, early 50s in fellowship. Yeah. So, so that could have been his father. Maybe it's his dad. Uh, but this, uh, the first little bit of extension, uh, the battle flashback is not as long in the theatrical cut and it doesn't have the dialogue with Thrain and Gandalf uh, or uh, with Thrain and Thorin talking and all that before Thrain charges in. All that dialogue is not in. I mean, that's pretty much goes along with what I said. They erased Thrain from this. Yeah. They treated him like Saruman in The Return of the King. Oh, yeah. For this movie. Um, but what struck me as odd is that Thorin has a little more depth to his character in this first scene, uh, especially in the beginning of this. Um, <clears throat> and if this makes any sense, uh, it kind of came down to more of like a wholesome dialogue. He smiled and thanked someone a little more uh, soulful conversation with Gandalf as a few, as opposed to a few words. And this is before the party. So <laughs> somewhere between having dinner with Gandalf <laughs> And showing up at Bilbo's, he just like, I'm just going to be a jerk today. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but there was a little bit more depth to his character in this little conversation with Gandalf at the table. I, yeah. felt, okay. I felt like. Um, so we also, uh, also an extension is him asking Thorin about what happened with the Dwarven Ring. Mm -hmm. Not mentioned once in the theatrical cut the dwarven ring because it was the last one that sauron had not got a hold of and it was yeah. on his hand yeah with the ring and he's like i don't know i, I didn't yeah. find my father necromancer gets it yeah yeah uh, now this scene of course is not in the book uh but it is mentioned in the appendices in the back of return of the king so this did happen this is straight from the lore wow so smart that they met up in Bree and they talked and this is sort of how the plan formulated and that's how you know jackson's a fan because oh, someone yeah. who just read the book and not the appendices of any of the book would have been like well this wasn't in the book uh, actually sir it was in the lore doesn't have to be in the book to be in the I, I i sure hope peter jackson's a fan <laughs> i mean if, if i could if i could do something like that without being a fan of it then good lord i'm the most talented man in the world so then we go to a year later, and they're still trying to get away from, from the goblins and all that stuff, and the wards and the orcs and all that. And they just left the eagles, and um, we encounter Bayorn. Yeah. They go and stay in Bayorn's house, uh, uninvited at first. And we have the whole little game where Gandalf goes and strikes up a conversation with Bayorn. He's obviously very nervous. Uh, Bayorn is even even says, You're nervous, no, don't, don't be ridiculous. Which that's uh, all extended in the theatrical cut. They get through the door that he said tells them to go to sleep, and then it flashes to Bilbo waking up and Bayorn's pouring them breakfast. Wow, uh, <laughs> oh that. no, yeah, yeah I, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is straight from the book, 
again, he has to have a conversation with him and bring him out a couple at a time. And poor Bomber has to come last. You know, they sped it up, obviously. But <laughs> oh, do you call three a troop? Oh, whatever. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe they cut that. That yeah, was no, it was intriguing. Pretty prominent scene. moment in the book. Because you can tell when Thorne finally kind of comes out of the doorway, Bayorn knows him. Yeah. He looks at him like, oh. Which would explain why he's suddenly okay with them just crashing, you know. Because he's kind of like, you know what? They do kind of deserve their home, probably. I like my baby. Well, and he even says, like, <laughs> I don't like y'all, but I hate orcs a lot more. Yeah. So I'd rather see you win. So he feeds them, gives them a bunch of milk and honey and stuff like that. Uh, in the book, it says they have um, like jerky and nuts yeah. and fruits and stuff like that uh, for their journey through Merkwood. Yeah. So I tell you, uh, there was a funny bomber moment when they're running to the, the large house, to Bayorn's house. He, he, turned, he turns around and sees the bear and just outruns everyone. Just Hall asses it like he leaned all his body weight forward and it just took off. Um, one thing I do want to say about this whole scene, uh, when I was reading the book, this is what I pictured. This from the giant bees to Bayorn's characteristics to the giant table to the axe chopping. Jackson captured it. And the only thing it was missing, I'm sorry to interrupt. The the only thing it's missing, though, if we're saying, you know, book accuracy that they could have done. And if they did it and I missed it, I'm sorry, you correct me. That in the book, the animals are the ones who brought out the tables and brought out the the chairs and and served them all the stuff. The only thing they showed were bees laying down handkerchiefs other than that there were no other animals okay so it was sort of alluded to the mice helped a little bit uh like moving silverware and stuff but other than that there were no like groundhogs doing anything or something like that but, was like deer or something <laughs> i don't like know straight out of snow white <laughs> That's yeah basically. yeah but I, I have to say that about jackson about a lot of things uh throughout his time in middle earth is Every time I watch through either the Lord of the Rings or this, which this second one and third one has not been often. I've watched an unexpected journey far more because it seems to come on daytime TV sometimes. When I was reading the words, a lot of what Jackson did in the movies, that's how I saw it. From this scene to uh, um, the riddles in the dark with Gollum. Uh, to the troll king in troll town i was like this is how i saw it and then he just to know that like he's like i got you i see it the same way the ring calls to bilbo here as well when he's like laying down toying with it um which obviously hints to the future with his re- relationship to the ring and then later frodo's um the flash over from Bayorn's house to Dol Guldur is much longer in this version. Um, them meeting with Sauron, the necromancer, him talking yeah, to yeah, him, yeah, yeah. much longer in this version than it was in the theatrical. Um, you talking uh, about when Gandalf slides down the little slope into into the building or into the no, mountain? No, no. When it's just Azog speaking with Sauron. 
speaking oh yeah 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 much longer him calling for his second command i've got a job for you i have to stay here blah 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 very extended um i did think it was interesting a little detail they added in i guess it was to show good faith which hints towards bayorn coming in later in the movies is gandalf telling the dwarves to let the horses go back to its master Leave the horses, let them go back to Bayorn. And they're all like, why? And he's like, just do it. Very cool detail showing Gandalf like, sh- like, thank you. We're not going to take your horses into these woods or not. And here they are back. And that That's might. The one that Gandalf takes and disappears yeah. with. So, not my horse. <laughs> um, but so where, where other things stick out to you with Bayorn in this entire scene? Um, I didn't care for the the design of the man Bayorn with the weird hair. Like they did a lot of weird hairdos. Cops. Disability. Ah, I didn't care for that. He looked like giant Gonzalez. <laughs> he looked and like Wolverine and giant Gonzalez had a kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't see why he couldn't just look like a normal man. Yeah. Who just became a bear? I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm uh, not being creative enough here with this, but I don't know. I just felt like it was there's so many stories and books and movies and lore about skin shifters. You know how if you follow Supernatural, they can they are humanoid. There's no weird features. They don't look like a monster. Um, If you follow the Flash, when they fight that villain who's a skin shifter. He has no real face and no body features because he doesn't know who he really is. If you follow ancient Indian lore, they're a wolf that's easily shifting into a man. So different lores have different things. And I feel like this was Tolkien slash Jackson making their own. Like sometimes. You remember Animorphs? Yes. Dude, I'm shocked they are not. I am so shocked they haven't tried to reboot Animorphs. One day. (laughs) One day. No, we need to stop giving these ideas away for free. We'll do it. Cut this out. Write this one down. I'm going to delete that. I'm going to edit that out. (laughs) So uh, we we go into Mirkwood, and it's not going to be fun. They, They already know. And by the way, the water can put you under a spell, so don't touch it. Stay on the path. It's going to get really dark. It's going to get really spooky, but you just have to keep on going. Oh, all right. Here we go, fellas. He says, the air is thick with illusion. I'm like, oh, so acid. Tri- like tripping. We're going to be tripping our entire journey, and you're leaving us? What the heck, man? It's a really good comparison to make, and the fact that they did make it seem that way made complete and total sense, right? Like, when yeah. he's looking down at his feet and it looks like he's walking backwards and he looks behind him and the other dwarves reflect him. Okay, it looks like him. Um, yeah, I thought it was really a good choice. Everything's trippy and slow. And it's just a great way to visualize what the book says and, and the way the book feels like it's an endless forest. We're never going to get out of here. It's so dark and the air is so, so uh, tight. It's we're so- suffocating. I had to, I thought to myself one time in high school, I don't know why I did it. I went three and a half days without sleeping. Wow. And 
you know, they say a human can survive without sleep for nine to 10 days, depending on your health and stuff like that. But even at three and a half, I did start tripping as if I was on drugs and the walking backwards, the looking around, just the heaviness, the heartbeat that was subtly in the background, the, the ring talking, him talking to himself. And I was like, yeah, I mean, tripping is a lot. I've never done drugs that cause you to trip. But when I was extremely tired after those three and a half days, like nearing the end of that little haul I did, I felt like that. Like I felt like someone speaking and I'll be alone or I'll like feel woozy and, and the air felt thick. So like when I, when I knew they were doing these movies and they announced them, I knew that this scene would be in it from the book. And I was mostly excited for this scene uh, over most of them because how they were going to bring it to life. I was like, cause they've got to be tripping. They have got to be high. Basically they have got to bring to life that without making it fake. If that makes sense. They can't just be giggling like they're tripping on shrooms or something. It has to be a full spell and they yeah. did it so well. It was done so well. It's, 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 it's kind of like a uh, nervous energy when I watch that scene again. I'm just like, oh, I know what's going to happen. And there was a lot of extension in this scene. Was the uh, thing where they crossed the vines extended? Yes, that was. Um, yeah, I put poor Bilbo, man. Like they make him cross the dangerous magical river on the vines. Like they don't know what's going to happen. They send him first. Yeah. Really ticks me off. But it's a good thing that later on like we see how much they love and appreciate him because they sure do do on him a lot yeah uh some of the extension also was like galadriel's psychic conversation about beware the necromancer and little extended in the theatrical they don't show her talking to him she he just hears her voice and then uncovers the eye and i imagine that when gandalf leaves you get nervous yeah, because look what happens. Everything that's, that's like oh, people are here. I feel safe, you know. So I feel like you're like, oh no, 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 no. I feel uneasy. <laughs> I'm unsafe. Yeah. Especially reading the books when he's like, no, no, I'm gonna leave and I'm not gonna tell you why. Bye bye. See you later. I'm like, no. And then we don't hear from him again until he just shows up. So I did have a question here. Okay. Why do you think Bilbo is able to fight it a little more than the dwarves? The sickness, the, I guess, murkiness. He fought it a little better. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. I guess just because, you know, they sort of say a lot that hobbits are able to endure a lot. They're resilient. So, you know, it takes years and years and years for the ring to, to really get a hold of Bilbo. And even then, he was able to let it go yeah. after 60 years of holding on to it. You know, so, it's also crazy. It made me realize that Gimli and Legolas were never once uh, affected by the ring. Gimli never once needed to have it. Uh, and dwarves are supposed to be greedy, greedy, won everything. I thought that was interesting. We never talked about that. that's one question I had during this. And I was like, I should have 
I wish I had thought of this when we did the original trilogy a year, two years ago. Um, but uh, it just, it always just it had me thinking like, uh, it might be that he's a hobbit. It might be that he has the ring, maybe. Um, but I thought that, that that was done well as well to show him kind of, he starts having conversations with himself. And like, no, 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 no. We don't need to go over there. I'm going to climb this tree. Hey, hey, hey. You know, so he does, you know, a little immune to it, more so than the dwarves. Of course, Bomber ugh, falls in the dang river and goes to sleep, and they have to lug his big old heavy behind around the forest. I, Bomber is like the earthquake of the of the dwarves. And if you don't know that reference, I'm talking about John Tinta, the wrestler also known as Earthquake, who I thought was just the worst. The worst. So Bomber is the Earthquake of Middle Earth. Jeez. Just throwing that out there. Why is it always spider? Maybe Tolkien had a fear of spiders or something, because it's always, that's always the thing. Because I know if this were cross-universe, Ron Weasley would be pissing his pants right now. Yeah. Uh, about spiders in fantasy there is um, terrifying they do get that one brief moment of relief when well bilbo does before the spiders show up when he climbs up the tree and he sees the sun and oh we're almost there and all the pretty butterflies and stuff um once again i'm gonna count that yeah bilbo is the one he, who he had the, the knowledge to get look for directions not to mention what happens next, but I want to count that one. So we're up, we're up to three, three total, three total, three total. All right. So now we have all hell breaks loose. Um, he stabs the first spider, and when he fights him in the face, and he as he's like after he gets cut and stabbed, and before he finally kills him, he's like, "It stings! It stings!" He's like, "Ooh." Sting. So we get the namesake of the sword. In yep. this um, Bilbo saves them a fourth time. Yet again. Uh, cuts them down. Goes invisible. Starts taunting the spiders. He doesn't do the song that you talked about. We had that great moment, though, when he drops the ring. And Ooh. one of the spiders was touching it. And he goes bananas. And he Savage. just like slaughters the spider and he says mine mine and but then he fired saying something he's like <clears throat> do you think he's when you realize like wow i just went crazy yeah. like it's not in his nature to brutalize well, anything like that and i'm pretty sure a baby spider it was like a baby trapdoor spider that he just lost his shit on <laughs> and he's just ooh i uh Sorry about that. <laughs> kind of lost, lost my cool. To be fair, if if you had a magic ring that made you invisible, wouldn't you be pretty anxious to get it back too? Even with or without the whole, the ring is like an actual the spirit right. of this evil person yeah. and and will corrupt you and be evil. But like just a plain old magic, hey, you're invisible. You know, I would be wanting that thing. I'd probably freak out if I lost it too. Especially, what if the damn little spider put it on? Whew. Well, it would have been bad. Terrifying. I don't know what would have happened. Because I think that the ring does different things for different beings. Okay, yeah. And like it, that. 
it's the size of the ring changes to fit on whoever it wants to be on or whoever's wearing it and stuff like that. Another uh, crazy thing is that, uh, and this isn't like a bit big, deep discussion, but in the extended version, at this point, you are only an hour into the movie and yeah. so much has happened. Yep. I, I paused and I was like, oh my God, I'm barely an hour into this movie. And it's it's been draining with only through Markwood. I know. I'm like, man, no wonder they cut it. I mean, Legolas and Tariel, uh, Tariel show up. I always fuck I'm saying her name wrong. Tariel, Tariel. Now, uh, she is not from any of the lore, any of the books, anything like that. She is made up uh, completely by Peter Jackson and his his crew, Philippa Boyens and Fran Wash and all them. Uh, and apparently in Elvish, her name means forest daughter. Uh, elves are cool, man. I love the elves. Cool. Legolas Every elf sequence is awesome. Showed up doing Legolas things. Oh, yeah. Makes every Lord of the Rings fan pop because you're like, ah, yes. Only issue is you can see the de-aging makeup and CG quite a bit in this movie. Did they do that with him? Yes. Because I thought that he just looked like he gained a little weight. Well, I mean, he definitely filled out in, a little bit. 10 or 11 years. Yeah. Um, and he's a, a go, go, go kind of guy. He does all this like skydiving and surfing. And he's like an extremist. But you could tell that they like really making made him up. And there's some mm-hmm. CG here. His eyes are way faker. More yeah, faker than they were in the first one. First one, they were contact lenses. And this one, you can tell they're just fake CG eyes. And that's what it goes back to what you were talking about last week. You were like, you can tell there's more CG in this. More reliance on all that stuff, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the elves show up and kill all the spiders and, and take them back to uh, the, 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 I don't know, the, the kingdom of, of uh uh, Thranduil, I don't know what you want to call it, his his place there. I think, uh, I think this realm. is an extended... Sorry, go ahead. I think he just calls it the Woodland Realm. Well, I mean, his palace or his what his fortress. Um, but I think it's extended where uh, Legolas takes Glowin's uh, little pocket watch thing yes. and he sees the picture of his wife and a little baby Gimli. It's like, what is this? Half goblin monster? He goes, that's my boy. Gimli. It's my wee lad Gimli. He just makes a face. Little Easter egg there. It was a little bit forced, don't you think? But I would much rather it be there than not. Like, it was... Yeah. I don't blame him for doing that. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Just one more connection to, to the originals. It is. And uh, I also may be in love with Tariel. Um, Evangeline Lily. Evangeline Lily, who, if you don't know, you've been under a rock. She was in Lost, the show, at this time. She was finishing up the last couple of seasons of Lost while they were recording this as well. And uh, goes on to be the Wasp in the MCU. So that's where a lot of you, if you have not watched Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, that's where you all know her from. Is She's the Wasp in MCU. So I just want to, before we even get into what you have to say about the Woodland Realm, Thranduil is a complicated character. Yeah. He's a dick. <laughs> I really, really want to hate him. And most of the time I do. Um, he's so cool. He's, but I get it. 
I get what his character is. He's the purest. He's the our land, our kind. He's, you know, um, very single-minded. He's a nationalist. He is a nationalist. Yes. Yes, he is. More or less. But Lee Pace, man, what a what an actor. Ronan the Accuser. Wouldn't he make a great Grand Admiral Thrawn? Have we talked about this before? Yes. Lee Pace would be so good. Oh, he'd be great. Uh, but maybe I'm just saying that because he's already played a blue guy. But, yeah. Uh, so, Thrandy Will, he and his father were a part of the last alliance of men and elves at the, the defeat of Sauron originally. Yeah, Thrandy Will was there. Ooh. I believe his father died there, and that's when he became king. So, he's been the king of the Woodland Realm for a long time. He even says a hundred years. A thousand years. For an elf. It's true. I've got time. Do you? And um, I believe what they were trying to insinuate in the movie was that he has, when he revealed this like scarring on his face, this is where he's concealing scars from a dragon. Yeah. He's had an encounter with a dragon. Do not talk to me of dragon fire. I've felt its wrath. Yeah. Oh, uh, I learned this about Thranduil. It's actually something I knew, but I didn't realize Thranduil was involved with it. Um, at some point, like early on in Lord of the Rings, uh, in the books, or maybe right before, um, Gandalf questions Gollum. And he learns the history of, of the ring from Gollum, because he doesn't really know like how it came to be there and all that. So I guess like in the movies, this is when Gandalf went to Minas Tirith and he read a bunch of scrolls and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, this was how I learned about it. That was actually in Thranduil's dungeons, the same place that the, the dwarves were kept. Gollum was kept there for a while and he held him so Gandalf could come talk to him. I knew that it happened, but I didn't realize that that's where it happened. Nice. So I learned that about Thranduil. So, you know, he's he's helpful. He's an ally. He's just not a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the romance that's subtly blooming, <clears throat> the little uh, love triangle between Legolas, Tariel, and Keely, uh, is obviously not from the book because Tariel's not from the book. Imagine uh, if that had been the animated version. <laughs> and that's what all the, uh, the wood elves looked like. Ooh. Yeah. She's beautiful. She's an angel. Peter no. Jackson makes it work. Keely, you should stop drinking. Um, so in Lord of the Rings, the, the dynamic is a bromance, but this is a full-on lovey-dovey romance. There, I looked up some complaints because I wanted to look up for this one, like, you know, because I did find what you said earlier. It did less in the box office. Um, one of the complaints is the introduction of a romance. Um, they were like, you know, we got it with Aragorn and Arwen, and do we really need this? created character for a romance with a dwarf we got the same thing with legolas and gimli in the bromance why do we need this mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that um yeah i can see it i i mean i i don't necessarily think it's a, a bad idea to have a romance in a totally separate trilogy i shouldn't say totally separate obviously connected but these are three separate movies this is a separate story so you know, I think there's always room for romance if, if you can include it, uh, because that draws in uh, that interests uh, another part of your audience, you know. And um, 
but at the same time, yeah, I felt like it was a little weird. But at least Keeley was like kind of a handsome dude, whereas the other one, other girls were busted. It also does raise a little bit of stakes in this because you've got that asset of will Keeley die and or will she die? You know, will Legolas be jilted and and try to hurt Keeley? You know, there is a little bit of stakes raised in introducing this love story. I, for the record, I do not remember what happens with Tariel in the third movie. So don't, don't say anything about that. I know about Keely, but okay. Don't tell me about Tariel because I can't remember. And, and seeing Legolas jealous, uh, I, I, it kind of goes through the, uh, against their lore though, right? Aren't elves supposed to be somewhat angelic, devoid of feeling? Uh, no. I mean, they can love. I guess that's true. Is that what you mean? I mean, Arwen, she loved. Yeah. Roger was married. She loved. I guess I just loved. got that feeling from the woodland elves that their Thranduil rules them with less. Just a little, yeah. uh, little more cold. Weakness. Do not show love. Do not, you know. I think that's just Thranduil. Yeah. And yet again, here's another time the Bilbo saves them. Steals the keys. Uh, Gets them out of out of their cells and puts them on the barrels. So we're at five, four. Uh, I believe that's five. That's five. We'll Dude. say five. Our savior, Bilbo Baggins, the bravest hobbit in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so the okay, so the barrel ride down the river. Uh, they actually filmed this on an actual river. These poor actors playing the dwarves really had to bounce around in these big barrels. Yes. Wow. Um, it was wild. They said the water was very cold. Uh, they had to do this for several days. Uh, they had lots of safety people involved because there was a waterfall at the end of this. So if you got a little ways out, they had several people coming to get you and reel you back in. Um, but they all said it was such a great experience and that was their favorite part of filming on location and they would all do it again in a heartbeat. Well, Maddie, they all. Because it looked great. She, since she saw it, Maddie has always said this should be a ride at a theme park. Be a great water ride. <laughs> and uh, since it's WB, it would probably have to be Six Flags. Yep. Um, even though Universal uh, owns theme park property, Harry Potter's a WB uh, product IP. Um, okay. So it would it it would to me it would kind of be like a version of Dollywood's River Rampage and like a log flume maybe add in like a target system where you're shooting the orcs, you know, with a bow and arrow mm-hmm. while you're going down this raging river and a, and a barrel type car. Cause obviously they're not going to sit you in a barrel, but you know, um, but uh, I, th- I, I, it's one thing that shocked me about six flags is, you know, uh, Disney did Marvel world and they've got freaking uh, Pandora and universal's got Harry Potter world. The fact that nobody has done middle earth, in a theme park shocks me because the fun you could have in a middle earth theme park, I think is, I, mean, is I would go <laughs> huge, uh, especially go. in New Zealand. <laughs> I mean, I would want it here so we could go, but man, I mean, the stuff you could do, like the shops, the restaurants, the rides, the experience, you could, you know, have your own weapon crafted by dwarves or elves yeah you know like they do wands and lightsabers uh i mean okay i'm giving away another damn idea (laughs) add it to the list add it to the list 
So apparently Peter Jackson wanted to have a white water action sequence in Fellowship of the Ring when they were in the little canoes when they left Lorien yeah. on the way to Almond Hinn. Uh, they were planning to do it. They did all the storyboarding for it, but there was this big storm and it destroyed a bunch of the set they had already constructed for those sequences. So they decided to just cut their losses and move on without it. So he made sure to do it in this one. There's a little bit of extension here, uh, but for the most part, uh, this was all pretty much theatrical cut. This was all oh, in the theatrical Bomber's cut. big moment with yeah. the barrel bouncing around because he's fat. Achilles, badass moments, more Legolas awesome moments. Uh, yeah, standing on the heads of the yeah. dwarves. And still stuff. Had to save Legolas at one point. Oh, and Bilbo, when they got stuck at the gate, I think it was, one of the orcs was coming right up on somebody and he stabbed it in the throat. Yeah. Check, that's another one. Six. Hmm. Oh, our savior. So, so flash over though. After this, uh, uh, the tomb of of the nine or whatever. Um. Oh, this is Dolgo Dolgo Yeah. When Gandalf and and uh, Radagast are talking about going in there, he sends Radagast to go get Galadriel uh, and tell yeah. what's going on. Um, there and. Talks about the ring race being summoned, uh, sets up Lord of the Rings really well, gives more Radagast Gandalf moments. Um, but we'll get back to Dol Goldor in a little bit. We're in Lake Town. We meet Bard, who I enjoy. Bard. I like, I like the character. Sort of like Aragorn light, Diet Aragorn, though, right? You know? So I said Bard is like Diet Aragorn mixed with Ferris. <laughs> Stop, you did not. Faramir, <laughs> but it's like you take Diet Aragorn and you drop in a little bit of Faramir there, shake it up, pour it out, bard. Yeah, he's a he's a leader of men. They talk about, oh, that's the guy right there that all the people look up to. We'll follow that guy. And yeah. then he's destined to be king. He's descended from a long line of humans who, uh, you know, made errors. Yeah. He's got to try to redeem the bloodline or whatever. Same one, deal. one failed to kill Smaug, his grandfather or whatever failed to kill Smaug. Um, did you catch uh, the old uh, Stephen Colbert? I did. I wrote that down. Stephen Colbert and his kids were yep. in Lake Town. Yep. Um, he has the eye patch and he signals them, and his kids run by. Him. Uh, it's like a signaling for the master saying Bard's at his house. Uh, Technically, was- Colbert played a bad guy. True. Uh, we also meet Stephen Fry playing the master of Lake Town, the legendary Stephen Fry. Legend. Uh, my all-time favorite Stephen Fry movie is actually Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, I was going to say V for Vendetta for me. I mean, that's obviously up there, but Hitchhiker's Guide is one of my all-time favorites. So I appreciate him for that. He narrates that. He also he did the audio Potter games. Books. And the the audiobooks yep. as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now, he, he we was the, also, you've forgotten this, I bet. You remember Fable? Yes. With the Reaver. Uh, in uh, one and three. Nice. Yeah. I know his voice is used for a, a shit ton of stuff. Um, he's been in V for Vendetta. Allison, he's the Cheshire Cat in the live action Alice in Wonderland movies. Yep. It's the Monty Python stuff. I mean, he's a legend. 
and add this to his his resume now, which when he first debuts, he has pain in his foot. And Alfred, who sucks, by the way, says uh, uh, gout acting up again. What do I look like in the poster, Carrie? I felt the gout comment. Um, I bet. Someone needs to tell him that it is the brandy that's giving it to him. Brown liquor increases the uric acid levels in your blood, which causes gout. So the more you know, the more you know. Yeah, he was a he was a nasty old dude. Uh, that old master Lake Town. Uh, he is from the book. Uh, he's described as you know being greedy, very much a politician, um, but he's uh, intelligent. I don't think he's as bad of a guy as they make him out to be in the movie. But you got to have villains. You got to have conflict, right? Uh, yeah. But I believe if I remember right in the book, and I don't know if this happens in the movie, like once, you know, they kill Smog and they end up getting all the, the gold out of the mountain and stuff. Bard gives the master of Lake Town a bunch of gold and says, we're going to use this to rebuild Lake Town. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he runs off and he steals it. And then he ends up like dying out in the middle of nowhere or something like yeah. that. It's different in the movie. Okay. I We'll see because I can't remember. So next time, these <laughs> questions will be answered. So he lends aid to the dwarves, though. The master sees it as an opportunity to, one, um, either put an end to the prophecy and maybe appease Smaug, uh, or two, the dwarves will win and they'll share in the riches. Yeah. So win-win for him. No problem uh, for him either way. At first, and he thought that. Thorin does a great job, like, hyping up the crowd and getting them to try to support him. Like, oh, we're going to make this place great again. And um, and all that good stuff. But, you know, like, what I keep thinking about here is on this whole journey, all right, let's say we actually do make it to the Lonely Mountain. And we actually do find the hidden door and figure out how to get in and all that stuff. There's still a dragon in there, guys. Pretty sure, like. There's not a Wikipedia page in Middle Earth for what to how to get rid of a dragon from your house. What are they going to do about this? Nobody seems to really have any ideas. Because Dwalin does or Balin does have a moment. He's like, oh, uh, Bilbo, when they do get to the Lonely Mountain, if perchance there is a dragon down there, don't wake him up. Like, oh, okay. Thanks for the help there, bro. By the way, I need a Funko Pop of Bilbo wearing the little Lake Town hat. The little Lake Town party hat. Yes. I don't think they're going to make any more Hobbit uh, pops, but, you know, a guy well, can hope. While those dwarves are leaving Lake Town, he makes Killy stay because he's been shot with a Morgul arrow. arrow. So he's going through the same stuff that Frodo went through in the original. He's slowly dying quote-unquote and becoming a wraith um so he's left in lake town philly decides to stay with him because it's his brother um and bofer stays because he woke up late he was hung over he was laying under the table and they were just totally okay with just leaving him there yeah and i think oin oin with the little ear trumpet yeah Yeah, because he's a medic kind of he's kind of a medic for their company and so then uh, the orcs are invading and we get some more killer Legolas and Tariel action. Um, like you said, anytime the elves pop in, I love it. I love elf sequences. Me too. 
Uh, we also go back to Dol Guldur, okay. however you say it. And uh, Gandalf, it is undoubtedly a trap. And he walks in, they play the cool music. He encounters Azog. There's this big extended thing with uh, Thorin's daddy O. Thorin's alive and he's mad. He's like a mad king. He's like a little golem. Yeah. He's a wild man. And like Gandalf has to touch his third eye and calm him down. Like, hey, 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 cut the shit. Chill, 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 chill. Uh, so if you don't know, Dolgoldor is an old evil sediment that was Sauron's original fortress in Mirkwood. And it means heel of sorcery. So this was back when he was Sauron before he was created the ring before he before we knew he was a bad guy. Yeah, before we knew he was a bad guy. Um, but yeah, man, I, I really enjoyed all this dull gold door stuff because it's literally like 20 to 25 minutes extra footage. And like I said earlier, they completely pulled a Saruman with Thrain. I mean, he is not anywhere in the yeah. cut, even in flashbacks, they didn't show Thrain. They didn't talk about the Dwarven Ring. And I was like, why cut that character out completely? Because, I mean, readers of the book are going to be like, well, where the heck was Thrain? Well, but he's not really in the book so much either. I mean, he's mentioned. I thought they so, mentioned him wandering the wilderness still. I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's I don't think they encounter him, though. I don't think I, I thought, I thought I Gandalf did. Now, world. you might be thinking, like, I think in uh, Return of the King, maybe they run into Radagast somewhere for a minute. Oh, yeah. That's could be the movies, but he's in, he's alive and well in the books. I yeah. yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. Now, also, that's extended is uh, we don't, in the theatrical cut, we don't hear Azog say, uh, oh, Sauron and Smaug are in league with each other. Smaug knows they're coming. He knows. They don't talk about that in the theatrical cut. And the battle between Gandalf and Sauron. Necromancer. Whatever we want to call Is pretty cool. The eye debuts in this fight, uh, which you find out that the iris is like the outline of Sauron uh, in this. And uh, some of this scene was extended in this extended version. Uh, but for the most part, that little uh encounter with the necromancer is all theatrical as well uh the lord of the ring fan in me the first time i saw this in the theater was speechless and giddy and just on the edge of my seat just like oh my god it's sauron holy Mm. crap here we go now we're getting close to lord of the rings i was like oh my god uh it was just it was some pretty intense stuff. Elrond was only angry because he lost his contact and nobody would help him look for it. Okay, nobody, nobody walk. Everybody stand still. Help me look. Help me look for it. Yeah, help me look. <laughs> so let's talk Lonely Mountain. Yeah. Bilbo uh, walking in there and uh, seeing this huge mountain of treasure and doesn't quite see the dragon yet, but boy, does he make an appearance. The amazing benedict cumberbatch playing smog there Uh, and they had that that famous encounter and bilbo doing the whole thing about i'm the clue finder and the web cutter the stinging fly i'm the unlucky number and um barrel rider ring wear luck wear all that stuff i am a little saddened about the fact that it took 
the doors were so dense <laughs> they couldn't get that the light is the moon uh and i got it as a kid runes too i got it as a kid in metaview middle school reading it in library that the light they're talking about is the moon the last light of the day is not the sun it yeah. is the moon before midnight like i'm sitting there going oh you idiots god it's so easy it's so simple stupid um, idiots stupid idiot dwarves um and i do get a little bit of a chill when they walk in and balin's teary-eyed and mm-hmm. and like he's like do you remember it balin you know hallways of golden light and i know this stone i know this stone but bilbo trying to be quiet walking on the treasure is like me entering the house when i'm late for curfew <laughs> Slowly opening the door because step I on the cat's tail and then you go oh, shh, 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 shut up. He tries to shush the gold. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now that's a dragon. Absolutely, that's that a dragon. is a damn dragon. He wasn't a furry dragon. He was a scaly reptilian dragon. And I'm pretty sure he's bigger than the Game of Thrones dragons. He is. He's freaking huge. Yeah, he is. How big he was. Oh yeah, the biggest. Uh, no beards. No whiskers. Deepest and greatest calamity of yeah. an age. Exactly. Exactly. So the moment where they find the last of their kin in the tomb-like yeah. area, it was pretty morbid. Yeah, it was. Sad and morbid. Yeah. Um, and when he drops the line, he says, we'll do it together. If this is to end in fire, we will all burn together. Boom, he said it. This is to end in fire Then we shall all burn together Watch the flames climb high Into the night Calling out Father Oh, stand by and we will Watch the flames burn over on the mountain And Ed Sheeran made millions of dollars right yes. then and there. Yes, great song to go in with it. Um, the ride through the lava should also be a ride too on the Middle Earth theme park, uh, like a hotter sauna version of the barrels. They had a ride like that at Six Flags Virginia Beach called uh, the like Escape from Pompeii or something like that, and you were on a yeah. boat and volcanoes going off around you and all that stuff. So they could totally do that. It would be cool. It'd be a lot of fun. And Smaug is just making a damn mess. Like if they do win this thing, they're gonna have a lot to clean up. Like, I'd be mad. I wonder where he poops. Ooh. Hmm? Mm. Think about it. But he has a corner. Maybe so. Maybe he's like a cat, and he covers covers it with the gold. So if they do win, later they're going to be digging through the gold and find a morsel of dragon crap. Big old dragon turd. Big old skin turd. We're going to have to clean this gold. Freaking animals. This is why I don't want an indoor pet. I told you about this. No more dragons in the house. I love that Smaug gets uh, <clears throat> entranced by the big golden statue like a cat with a laser pointer. <laughs> like they just uncover and he's just like, ooh, shiny. And it just melts all over and we have a golden dragon. Kind of like the restaurant we used to eat at. 
Oh, yeah. Not anymore. They've had no. way too many bad uh, health reviews yes. or whatever you call it. Yes. <laughs> so what about what about the Lonely Mountain do you like? What sticks out to you? What moments had you on the edge of your seat when you first? All of it? the stuff with Bilbo and Smog, just because it was straight from the book um, and, and just done so well and seeing Smog so big, like we talked about. And the big piles of, of the gold, just like what you picture when you read the book. Yeah. So I was just really, really happy with all that good stuff. Yeah, man. And that's how it ends. I mean, he gets out of the lonely mountain. He's pissed off, shakes the gold off, flying towards Lake Town. He says, I am fire. I am death. Cuts the credits. Boom. Ed Sheeran music. Ed Sheeran. This is to end in fire. We shall open together. What do you think about that? That's one thing that I remember being in what that first movie. And I knew, like, I knew they were three books. I knew that we were already at like the two and a half hour mark in fellowship. And when they ended it, while they're climbing the cliffs, I looked at Caleb and I was like, when they ended there. Okay. We can't be here for nine hours. Well, yeah. And I mean, if if the dragon dies at the end of the second movie, why are you coming back for the third one? That's true. That's true. But yeah, that's how it ends. Lake Town is is in trouble. We're gonna find out more about Lake Town next week when we watch the big finale of the trilogy, the Battle of Five Armies, and it's gonna be real fresh for both of us because we've seen yeah. it like just once or twice. Yes, I what really think I've only seen it. All the way through one time. So I'm really looking forward to it. One time? I think. And then I watched it like a, a lot of the way through a second time, but didn't finish it. So, yeah, it's going to be pretty fresh. Wow. I'm looking forward to it. So what are your final thoughts? Any final thoughts on the desolation of Smaug? Uh, no. I give it like a 8 out of 10. Awesome. How about that? Uh, I would agree. I'd give it an eight out of 10. I always, from being a kid, I was always a fan of dragons and like Godzilla and dinosaurs and stuff like that. So the kid in me loves smog scenes because it just, it just makes me smile. I'm like a freaking dragon, man. Like, could you imagine if like, remember that movie that Christian Bale and McConaughey did rain of fire? Yeah. Where like it's modern day and he comes across a dragon that's been like trapped underground. Right. And it's released and it just turns into like a post-apocalyptic movie. Imagine that. Like imagine it's 2021. Someone digs way too far because we always do as as humankind. And a freaking dragon's on Earth. And just wrecks hell on like, I don't know. I would find the person responsible. I would look them dead in the eye and I would say, you, Tom Naughty, you. Yeah. Confusticate and be bother you, you Tom Naughty. That's exactly what I'd say. Absolutely, man. Great movie. Can't wait uh, to talk about the finale, the Battle of Five Armies next week. Um, It's also a little sad. It's always bittersweet to end a, a franchise run when we do the franchise months. And as we're talking now, tomorrow is officially Hobbit Day. It is. So happy Hobbit Day tomorrow, September 22nd. Happy birthday, Bilbo and Frodo. 
Happy birthday, Bilbo. Happy birthday, Frodo. Happy Hobbit Day to the world of nerds and Middle Earth fans and Tolkien fans. Um, beyond the grave, thank you, J.A.R.R. Tolkien, for giving us yes, another sir. fantastic journey in Middle Earth with the Hobbit. Uh, thank you, Peter Jackson, for creating and directing another amazing journey Amen. Middle Earth. Um, We've talked so much about like how, you know, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy is so special to us and so magical to us and how the Hobbit sort of lacks the same magic. Um, And it still does. But I will say that I have really, really enjoyed watching through uh, Peter Jackson Hobbit. Yeah, uh, movies mainly, I guess, because it's like seeing them for the first time because it's been so uh, so few times that I've watched them. But just being back in that in that world again and, and how closely everything aligns and all the little callbacks to the movies and references for people like us. I appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to the, the third movie and, and seeing what happens. So I've really enjoyed this, especially the extended. I don't know what I'm getting into. I seem to recall knowing that there's a significant, like really cool extended thing in in the third one. Like I can't wait to see how many more times Bilbo saves their lives. Uh, What was our count? We're at six. We're at six. Six times in two movies. And also, he was the first to go into the uh, in into the mountain. (laughs) Brave. uh, We won't count that one this time. We'll give it benefit of the doubt. Just six. Just six for two movies thank you nerds and nerdettes for tuning in again uh please uh take care of yourself you know if you're able to get the vaccine please mask up be uh considerate of others uh during this time pandemic is not over um (coughs) enjoy your hobbit day if you're celebrating i will be celebrating from my bed um hopefully watching the the bonus features of uh some stuff to already start notes for next week. Uh, Cause you can find a lot of those on YouTube. <laughs> um, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, please take the time to rate and review the show. And as our dear Emma says, you know, give them five stars. Absolutely. She's always, you should always listen to a child. The voice of a child is angelic. Especially when she's saying, give 30 and 30 podcast five-star rating. Especially uh, when she's mine. Exactly. A little bias, but, you know, very kind of her to take the time to record that for us and send it to she, us. You know, she's been buried in paperwork and yeah. uh, she's got a very busy schedule, but her people contacted our people. We made it happen. And here we are. That's great. That's great, man. Um, so uh, find us on all social media. The quickest way to find us is go to 30nerdypodcast.com. Look at the directory. Uh, you can also learn more about the show and about us by, via the website. And we're always updating the site. It's still in update mode right now. I have a lot of time to work on it since I am sick in bed because um, I had been putting it off. And uh, Juice, anything else, brother? feel better, man. And uh, I look forward to seeing you. Next week, when I come back from Louisville, hopefully you'll be feeling better. Yeah. We can talk all about the big battle of the five armies. Be safe. You know, be safe. So, to take us out of the show, for the the doctor of nerdonomics himself, Dr. the Juiceless Loose Davis, I'm your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. Here is Beth Crowley with her new song, In the End. Mm -hmm.
With matching insatiable hearts And I knew that One day we'd take this too far My misgivings fade into nothing When I touch your skin and feel your heart beating next to mine I'm not living if I don't have you at my side I can tell 